Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy Buzz. I am joined by my dude NWI Steve. We got the click on the post game here today. I'm still wearing my sunglasses. With a douche. <laughs> Everybody, be sure you're going on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap and on Tap Sportsnet. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Five star rating and review because that's cool and tough. Also, check out Grandstand. You can go there, get all your White Sox gear, Chicago sports gear in general. Go check out Grandstand. Go to GrandstandSocks.com or follow them on their socials at Grandstand Socks. Steve and I are here to recap a 7 to nothing loss against the New York Yankees. Not cool and tough. The misery beers will be flowing. But before we do that, Steve, how are you doing, my man? Hey, yo. Not great, Bob. Not, Not great at all. <laughs> That's the last thing I want to hear because we haven't been on the mic together in a minute. And it's like, damn, dude, like I was all excited. Cease is on the mound. He's been looking pretty sharp. He's had you know, real good stuff lately, whether it's fastball, breaking ball. It's been working for him. And uh, here we are talking about a 7 nothing loss, my friend. So uh, before you know, we get into the big down of the game, we'll do a little misery beer here, crack them, and uh, we'll get into this one. You know, Steve, I – this series has a lot of eyes on it, and it's something that you we've texted about, uh, you know, in our, our personal uh, chats on on our phones and whatnot. And it just sucks to come out in 18 innings of baseball and score one run. And it's it's hard to see, especially when you're touted as the best team in the American American League. You know, almost all of baseball, really. Um, with run differential and, and the record and all of that. And it, it's just the guys aren't coming through. Now, we could sit here and harp on like a tweet that I had last night. I really do miss Eloy and Luis in these type of situations, you know, more uh, dominant or prolific at bats. But we, we don't have them. So we're not going to, you know, go deep into that. But you get an absolute gem from Carlos Rodon last night that you broke down with Johnny. And then the first couple innings today with Dylan Cease is very good. And here we are, no runs, no runs, even though he did end up getting kind of lit up, but no runs. I mean, what, what's your initial thoughts on this, brother? Well, I, you know, over the course of a long 162-game season, you're going to go through seven to 10-day stretches where the offense just isn't clicking. And the fact of the matter is, outside of that 16-run performance in Minnesota on Monday here, for the last 10 days or so, the bats have cooled down considerably here and that is just i think a byproduct of a pretty long season here you know obviously you had jose Abreu out of the lineup for three days so that doesn't help things and when you go up against the guy that i believe is the second best pitcher in the sport that doesn't necessarily help things now they did put together some quality at bats against garrett cole through the first two three innings of this game they but did, yeah 
But he was able to go and he was able to get four key double play balls to get himself out of jams when he needed to. And that was really, I think, an unfortunate aspect of this game. And as you mentioned, Buzz, Dylan Cease did look pretty solid that first time through the Yankee order. And Stone had even commented on this in the fourth inning. He just lost the release point on his breaking ball because he was really featuring that pretty heavily here. Um you know, in the early part of this game. And once he, once he lost, you know, that release point on it, things just kind of snowballed on him a little bit, kind of got, uh, kind of felt like he was getting squeezed a little bit on some calls that were out of the zone. Let's, let's be clear about that. You know, the, the at-bats to Torres and to some of the other guys, the pitches were out of the zone and, and to Urshela. Um, now there was some, definitely some inconsistency from the home plate umpire there with the outer third of the strike zone here to right-handed hitters. But the fact of the matter is he didn't adjust. He lost that, that release point on it. And then the Yankees were able to capitalize on it and get the big hit when uh, they were presented with the opportunities of the Sox. Hitters just simply weren't able to do that today against Garrett Cole on a day when Cole again didn't have his his great stuff and they had some opportunities early on there and they just couldn't capitalize. I mean, the early walks from Cole were pretty uncharacteristic. Uh, would you say that? Absolutely. And I was talking about this with Johnny last night, going into uh, or during his last start against the Texas Rangers. There, um, he had issued two walks in that start. And before that first walk, he had set a major league record going back to 1893. He had struck out 61 hitters since issuing his last walk. So to see him go out there today and issue three walks relatively early on in this game and see the Sox not be able to take advantage of that was pretty disheartening there. Uh, Again, double plays just coming into play at inopportune moments, and it bailed Garrett Cole out of a number of you know, jams early on here that the Sox could have added on or at least gotten on the scoreboard. Yeah. And you know, it's just hard, man. Like it's hard to see that going into such a uh, important series for the White Sox. I mean, in general, because I mean, I know that, you know, St. Louis ain't all that in a bag of chips, but they're playing well. And, and you know, you're going to be going into that series too. So you would really like them to see, see them at least get two out of this series moving into the St. Louis one. And it, it's just, obviously we've dropped two. We're going into the third game tomorrow. And the bats is something that we have talked about when me and you have been together on the show. I'm sure you've talked about it with Tony and Johnny. It's something that does concern me is because if the pitching isn't on, and I'm not saying Dylan Cease wasn't on because in the first three innings, Dylan Cease was on. Everything was working. But if something goes wrong, you have to be able to pick them up. And that's where we've seen the White Sox struggle. And that even goes back to last night's last night's absolute gem from Carlos Rodon. It's something that's worrisome. And, uh, you know, getting into the bullpen a little bit, you know, Matt Foster comes out, he pitches one inning, 30 pitches. I mean, it was 28, but he lets up three hits, uh, earned run. He walks one, he strikes out one, he lets up a long ball. It's just not what I wanted to see. And I would love to go down the scoring breakdown, but it sucks because it's all against the Sox. <laughs> like, you know, like the Sox don't get anything because the offense has been inconsistent. And I guess it's a really good point you brought up because ever since that 16 run game, it's not like we've been blowing anybody away. The run differential has a big part to do with mostly due to the pitching. Honestly, at the end of the day, I mean, do you see anything different? I mean, if they're not going to put the bat on the ball and put it in play, or, you know, you get guys on base and you keep hitting into last night's triple play. I don't really want to talk about it. Or, you know, the double plays that took place today. You're not going to win ball games. Doesn't matter if your starting pitcher's throwing a gem because eventually 
that other team is going to get a run. That's how you need to operate. You need to know that. You need to pick it up, and you need to start getting runs across the plate. You're going to lose. You need to score to win. Part of the issue here, this is something that Stone harped on a little bit during the course of the game here, him, him and Benetti, is the fact that the Sox have the highest ground ball percentage of any team in Major League Baseball. Yeah. That is something that is not conducive necessarily to scoring a ton of runs. Now, the you know the piece I wrote uh, yesterday for ONTAP Sports, you know, talked about the fact that you know this team, despite not hitting home runs, is you know top five in the league in terms of walk percentage, top 10 in the league in terms of number of doubles and number of triples that they hit. They're just simply not hitting the ball out of the ballpark. But, you know, part of this issue, again, it's just they hit the ball on the ground a lot. And when that happens, um, these kinds of things are going to happen. You know, you're going to have situations where you're hitting into double and into that freak triple play there that's right. going to take you out of innings and prevent you from – scoring runs at all or adding on and tacking on runs in pivotal situations here. So, you know, for whatever the reason right now, this team is getting uh, very ground ball happy here. Yeah. So, you know, maybe Frank Menachito needs to take a look at some of the data, look at, look at some of the information, um, hit him and the rest of the coaching staff, get with the guys before the game here tomorrow and maybe make some adjustments here to uh, what, what they're doing from a swing path perspective. And I think obviously the Yankees probably have had a pretty good scouting report um, coming into this series here because we saw with Jordan Montgomery yesterday throwing a lot of breaking balls. Garrett Cole again today uh, was utilizing the breaking ball down in the zone here, especially when he was up in the count. So that seems to be kind of be the book that they had on the Sox hitters here today. And even though Cole didn't have a lot of strikeouts, it was getting a ton of ground balls. Right. And you know, something that kind of surprised me a little bit, Steve, is I feel like with being in Yankee Stadium, I felt like it could be the ignition, you know, turning the key in the ignition to start launching some balls out of the ballpark, gaining that confidence. Because, I mean, look at look at right field, man. What is that, 313, 315 over there or some That's shit? That's what it says it is. Yeah, I mean, and I, I would think that you'd have, like, Abreu or even Grandal or, or, you know, some of these guys. Tim! Shit, I mean, let's be honest. Tim can hit the ball anywhere. You know, hitting balls out of the ballpark, and it's just not happening. And, uh... It's frustrating to see to a certain extent because, like, as I watch a lot of these Sox games, I look at the opposing pitcher's pitch count a lot, Steve, and just try to notice it. And I I, I see that Garrett Cole had, like, what was it, 32 pitches through three, 36 pitches through three or something like that, and we're not working. I mean, obviously, Garrett Cole's a bad motherfucker. We both know this. Like you said, he's the second best pitcher in baseball in your mind. I'm going to assume that your first is DeGrom. That's what I'm going to assume. Um, obviously we did not talk about that was not pre-planned. I just know Steve so well, cause he's my spirit ale, but you know, I, I just getting the lift under balls, working the count, trying to get him to throw something bad, you know, a, a, not a good pitch, something like that. And trying to lift it out there. If you can, is something that I really wanted this team to do over the first two games. And they're just not doing it. Like you said, they lead the league in ground ball rate. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And I don't know how to get around it. If it's a Medikito adjustment and him working with his batters, then that's what needs to be done. It's just, all I know is a fan watching from the outside looking in is our starting pitching can be as fire as you want it to be. But if you're not going to score and you're not going to capitalize on situations like three walks from Garrett Cole today is something that I think I would like to capitalize on. A little bit. Maybe you get in his head. Maybe you, you start a little bit of a rally. Maybe you, you rattle his cage a little bit. And it didn't happen. And then he gains that confidence back because he knows he's going to get one of you to ground into a double play or what. I mean, shit, again, a triple play, whatever. And, you know, and go from there. It's just 
Tim Anderson went, what was it, 0 for 17, which is very uncharacteristic. And a lot of people could harp on him. And for the people that are harping on him, chill the fuck out. Guy's still batting 299, all right? So let, let, let's let's pump the brakes on that. Abreu coming back from an ankle injury, but he has two hits today. You know, he looks all right. Mankata's been hitting the fucking cover off the ball. It's just not working out the way that we want it to work out. Um, I, I don't know the adjustments that need to be made. You have a lot better insight than I do on that and how to fix that issue. It, it's just when you come up to such a prolific matchup, you want to perform. And, and being shut out and scoring one run in two games is not good. And, you know, the game, the Sox are now eight games over 500 compared to the 10 they started the series with. Yeah, it's it's obviously frustrating. And like Johnny and I had talked about last night, now we're going to have to hear all the bullshit narratives about, oh, see, the Sox aren't really that good. They're just beating up on cupcake teams in the American League Central. They can't handle hanging with the big boys. There's going to be plenty of that coming internally from corners of the fan base. And then, you know, the, the New York national media is just going to take this and run with it. Um, so it, it, de- it definitely is, you know, a very frustrating thing. And, you know, I want to circle back to something that you talked about there with the pitch count on Garrett Cole. They, it was a little misleading in the sense that they were working him in certain instances, but then, he, you know, he would issue that walk or he would give up that base hit after a four or five, six pitch at bat. And then he'd get a one pitch at bat double play ball. And that would kind of skew the numbers there a little bit. So it, it was, I think, to an extent, a little bit misleading. But again, this is he he's a guy that he was able to make some quality pitches when he needed to. And the defense behind him made the plays or was able to turn the turn those key double plays in pivotal spots when they needed. And you know, here we are. Sox got uh, got nothing to show for it today. So you just it's one of those days, a lot of things kind of went wrong after that uh, third inning there. You just got to kind of chalk it up and you got to try to get one tomorrow. How do they get it tomorrow? And, and, and that's the thing. Before we get into the breakdown that we usually do for tomorrow, how do you get it? I mean, like, you know, can you make an adjustment on the fly like that? Can you, I have no doubt in my mind with the way that, I mean, Keuchel has looked over his last couple starts that he can give you some competitive pitching and, in, 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 you know, I know it's not going to be, I love when you always say it's got to be more than 15 outs. Like, you know, and that's something that I felt like I have even learned this year. I, I know that generally just from watching baseball and, and following it and thinking that I know the sport to a certain extent, but I feel that how long can you depend on these guys to keep doing what they're doing and not provide offensively? And how do you make a change in that? Cause I mean, Steve, what is it? 30 games in 30 days right now? Cause today was 31 of 31. Mm-hmm. So it's 30 and 30. Like, how do you make a change on the fly when you are in such a stretch in a rough stretch at that of baseball? Like, how do you, how do you make it work? Well, sometimes you can't. And, and I know that's kind of a little bit of a cop-out answer, but as the, that's not a cop out, as, no. as, as the great Hawk Harrelson used to say, it's not always who you play, but sometimes it's when you play them. Right now, the Yankees are getting a little healthy, and they're they're playing some pretty good baseball right now. They've won four games in a row here, and they're starting to show a semblance of the team that a lot of people thought they were going to be heading into the season. The Yankees historically, for close to 100 years now, have been very tough to beat in New York. So you know coming into this series, it's going to be a tremendous challenge, and you're going to have your work cut out for you, especially when you have – 
Garrett Cole sandwiched in, in that second game of the three-game set. That's why the game last night was so important from a series standpoint here. And, and you weren't able to do the little things in order to get that win on Friday night. Now, as far as what they got to do tomorrow, I mean, it's pretty simple. They got to score more runs than the New York Yankees. But, yeah, I mean <laughs> – um, <laughs> Um, but you know, if, if I'm being, if I'm being completely honest, I'm not crazy about the matchup tomorrow. Uh, the idea of, of Dallas and kind of some of the things that we've seen from him this year, his command getting away from him at times for an inning during some starts and to do that against a Yankee lineup that is very right-hand hitting dominant. And Keuchel's not a guy that misses a lot of bats. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not. So you beat me to that because I'm not crazy about this tomorrow. (laughs) I know we've talked a lot on this show about the Sox against left-handed bats, but if you haven't done your homework, check out the Yankees. You know, they, uh, they, they do some real shit over there. And uh, I, I, uh, I'm a little nervous, but again, I feel like Dallas might have a swagger. He, he can be a team lead um, to a certain extent. I mean, you saw how, what he did last year, you know, he, he spoke up and I think he could be that guy. It's just, this team is very, very potent against left-handed pitchers. Um, they, they absolutely are in, and, and look, Keiko has in several key circumstances in big playoff moments, gone into Yankee stadium and held that team down for, you know, back when he was pitching for the Houston Astros, he did that in uh, 2015 in the wild card game, uh, shut them down. That was the year he won the Cy Young. He did that again in 2017, uh, during the year when the Astros won, won the world series there. So he's done it before in Yankee stadium. He certainly can do it again. And I think maybe the one thing that could be working in the Sox favor is that you got Jamison Tyone going on the mound for the Yankees. He's really gotten off to a slow start this season for the Yankees uh, coming over from the Pittsburgh Pirates. So maybe that's what this offense is going to need to kind of get jump started again here and get back on track. I kind of thought they were going to do it against Montgomery. And I mean, he looked fucking fantastic. I put a tweet out there on a twatter.com. I know you're not familiar with twatter. But I put a I put a tweet out there about how I can't take anything away from this guy. He pitched an absolute gem. I'm hoping we get it tomorrow. You know, um, it, it's just like I said, I I don't have that confidence right now that Jameson's gonna fuck up, and because our bats are just not performing to the level that they should. And before again, I know we just kind of did the pitcher breakdown for tomorrow and everything like that. I'll get into the stats and everything like that in a minute. But I want you to speak on Cease a little bit because, like I said, you know. I thought his first three innings were, I mean, Steve, I was, you know, in my mind, right. I'm like, Oh my God, he's pitching so fucking good right now. We might be seeing something here. Like I never, I'll never say it out loud. I don't care what they said on the broadcast. It's just how I'm built. You know, I believe in the juju and all that noise, but he, everything seemed to be working. They couldn't figure him out. Some adjustments were made and maybe that can go hand in hand to what you said about Manichino getting his, his batters ready for tomorrow, but they got to him. And he got rattled. And when Dylan Cease gets rattled, it's not good for the White Sox. Because i not saying he's not mentally strong. So please, anybody listening to this, don't attack me for that. I'm not saying that. But when he gets rattled, he loses location, he loses command, and he loses confidence. And those three things being lost spell doom immediately. And that's what happened to him tonight or this afternoon, I apologize. That's what happened to him in the bottom of the fourth. You're not wrong. And 
I too was watching those first three innings, and the stuff was very crisp. the The slider was very sharp, and the yeah, swings and amazing. misses. The the swings and the misses that he was getting. You know, one of the things that I usually will look at as, as I'm watching him is I'll watch the reactions and I'll watch the swings of the hitters because that can really tell you a lot about what kind of stuff a pitcher has on a particular day. And through the through through those first three innings, the stuff was electric, and like I said, for whatever the reason, in that fourth inning, he just lost the release point, and then it just kind of snowballed from him. And as you as you talked about, he has been prone to this in the early stages of his career, where if he loses that release point, things can kind of go, and they can go like that. He's not the first pitcher in the history of baseball to have this happen. Yeah, Everybody knows I'm as big of a Chris Sale advocate as there was during his time when he was with the White Sox. This yeah. used to happen to him all the time. He would give up a home run or there would be a bad defensive miscue behind him. And then all of a sudden he would try to throw everything 110 miles an hour. He would lose that command. And then all of a sudden the inning would snowball on him. So that does definitely happen to Dylan Cease in a number of circumstances. And that happened here today in the fourth inning again, unfortunately. And it's not easy to follow a performance by Carlos Rodon last night, but I felt like he was, I, I swear to God, like, and I try not to do that. You know what I mean? I really try to stay level-headed with the socks. Like I get overboard about the bulls and I, who knows why, what a moron, right? Like I'm an idiot. I hate the bears. I love them, but I hate them, you know, but today I had this like level-headedness about me. I'm like, Oh my God, after that bottom of the second, Steve, where he struck out the side and it was convincing too like i was like oh my god like he he's got his shit working and then just to see him get rattled and lose it it, it, it's hard to watch you know Uh, it's hard to watch i mean even the bottom of the third he didn't strike anybody out but he was just getting the bats weren't connecting the way that you'd think they would be bottom of the fourth is, is when it all turns around you know judge singles get a walk after that Torres doubles to deep center. It scores uh Shella and judge. I mean, it, and it was just kind of a snowball effect. Now, though we are being, I, I wouldn't say we're being critical. I think you'll back me up on that. We're just talking about the game, but they need, they need to win tomorrow. You cannot afford a sweep here. You, you, you just can't. I mean, you know, Cleveland's not too far off. my friend. You know, they're, they're not too far off. You need to keep the distance. Whether people are afraid of Cleveland or not is not the point because it, it, if Minnesota somehow figures it out, whatever. Cleveland's sitting two games back after today's loss. They need to come away with the win because they do have a tough matchup in the next series. And you really need Dallas Keuchel to step up tomorrow and, and do what you said, how he's performed against you. He's in the pack. He needs to be that guy that brings it back down to earth and his batters. You know, because... Is this fair of me? I don't think Dallas really gets rattled too often. He's just not a big swing and miss guy. He's not a guy that's going to get you out on strikes. I never feel like he gets super rattled. I could be off. And let me know. I mean, it's fun just to have an opinion on something, you know? No, he, he, he definitely is one of those guys that is able to maintain his composure out there and is really very stoic. You, you rarely see his facial expression change out there on the mound. Not a lot of guys can can pitch like that. You know, there are a lot of guys that do have to go out there and have to show emotion. I mean, I was one of those guys that, um, you know, if things were happening behind me, I, I would kind of let it be known out there how I was feeling. And just not everybody can can be stoic all the time. And, you know, Dylan Cease is kind of the same way. Um, we see kind of, the, you know, contrast there with Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn and uh, – and, um, 
it's just, you know, everybody's kind of wired a little bit differently. So, you know, Dallas is definitely a guy that he's going to go out there. He's going to be composed regardless of what's happening behind him out there. Um, he's just got to go out there and he's, he's got to have that cut of work and he's got to stay ahead in counts. He can't afford to fall behind these right-handed hitters and give them the opportunity to just sit on pitches on the inner third of the strike zone and try to do damage there. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, Coming out tomorrow against a guy that isn't obviously, again, I can say, I I try not to sound stupid about it, but I mean, you know, Montgomery, I wasn't too scared of either. And I said that before we did the fucking series and look at me, what a jag off, you know, but he doesn't scare me, you know, and I really, I know he's right-handed pitcher and everything like that, but he's got an ERA that's above five. He has not, I mean, look at his last few starts, my man. You know, he goes four and a third against Texas on Tuesday, May 18th, right? Six hits, four earned runs. You know, the the game before that, he goes four and two thirds against Tampa Bay. Six hits, four runs, four of them earned. I mean, this guy lets up runs. You know, this is what he does. So if there's anybody to get back on track against, it's him. And and that's my mindset with it. I don't know how you feel. Like, do you think the Sox can get back on track tomorrow? I mean, they got to start hitting the ball. Yeah, look, they they definitely can get back on track against Jamison Tyone. Um, you know, one thing that he has had some issues with this year is he has been giving up the long ball. Um, he's given up, you know, over two per nine innings at this point. I mean, he's got, you know, a, a home run fly ball rate that is near the top of the league. He doesn't get a ton of ground balls. So th- this would be the type of guy that, you know, if the Sox can work some quality at bats, put themselves into some hitters' counts, they can do some damage here, hopefully. Um, they just got to go out there. They got to have a good plan of attack as far as what the, what they're trying to do against him. Um, he doesn't walk a lot of guys, so he's going to be in the strike zone for the most part here. They just got to you know get themselves in a good position to do damage in hitters' counts ultimately. Yeah, and that's what I, I'm really looking to see tomorrow. You know, it like I said, I'm not losing too much hope here. Obviously, I don't want to be like that, but I, I kind of go up and down. I try to stay level-headed, but I'm trying to be level with the team. They're still in first place. They're still there by two games. I know there's talent on this team, even though Eloy and Luis are, are gone, which I, I, I'm not using that as an excuse. I just sometimes wonder, man. I, I just, you know, I think it's fair. I think it's always fair to wonder. Not saying that they're the be-all, end-all, but when you have a lineup consisting of those guys and, and what we have now instead of seeing like a Lurie, and I love Lurie, and you know that. I'm a big Lurie guy. I know he hasn't been playing well. I mean, he had a great series, a great series against the Twins, but has not translated over, which is fair. Um, you know, or, or you know, I, I just want to see something better. That that that's all. That's what I, I'm honestly though, man. Like, even if they even if they do lose tomorrow, okay. Let's let's say you know it happens. Okay. It's it's a series in mid to late May, and you, if you lose three in a row in mid to late May. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, the optics won't necessarily look great. Like I said, a lot of the national media members will be saying, "Oh, see, the White Sox, you know, they're they're not for real. They can't handle playing with the Yankees." And you know, sports talk radio here locally in Chicago will make it out to be a bigger deal than it really is. And and some website that I hear people are on will you know probably just see people all up in arms and and hashtag mad online uh, about it. But 
teams teams have three game losing streaks. It, it happens. happens. Yeah, you it know? does. And that's fair, Steve. That's fair. I just I guess I like in my mindset, like I just I hate seeing sweeps of my team. And I know you do too. I, I'm not taking mm-hmm. it away from you, but you look at it a lot more logically than I do, which is like when I feel like we're on the mic together, we have that. I love that, like, just difference, not difference in opinion, but that your perspective against my perspective. Like, it's just kind of like, I just hate to see it. Especially, I get up for these kind of games even more than I would against, you know, a Detroit or a Kansas City or something like that. I just, I get up for them. So I hate, I hate to see when we lose. But in the grand scheme of things, we know where we're at. We know where we're at, where we're hurt. And, and, and we've been performing well. And, and that, and that's the main goal out of all of this. Um, I'm really hoping they can put the bat on the ball tomorrow because, like you said, what you just pointed out about our opposing pitcher tomorrow, he does not have a lot of you know, didn't let a lot of ground balls up. He we get in the air, so if we can get in the air and drive this motherfucker to right field, it's going to be a good day for the White Sox. It's just can they do it? That's yeah. the problem. Can they do yeah. it? Yeah, I mean that's where I, I would definitely hope that guys like Timmy. Um, Jose Abreu and and the Urminator can kind of alter their approach, let the ball get a little bit deeper on them instead of trying to be as pull happy as I think they can get at times here. Let's all get a little deeper. And all those guys have solid opposite field power and they can do damage with the fastball on the outer third of the plate or, or the breaking ball either way. And I think they just, you know, kind of simplify things a little bit here. Um, this is the, this is the type of guy that you can get right against here. They just got to go out there, have a solid plan of attack, and then ultimately, like I said, Dallas Keuchel's just got to go out there. He's got to command the strike zone from pitch number one. There, he can't put himself in positions where he's behind in counts, allowing these Yankee hitters to sit on you know whether it's the cutter or or you know just fastballs on the inner third of the plate there because they'll do some damage then. Yeah, they're far too talented to you know for him to get behind them because they're going to capitalize off of it. And I think we've in the first couple games we've watched, you know, obviously Carlos Rodon was fucking filthy, absolutely filthy. Um, but you, you just can't afford that because they're going to capitalize eventually, whether they get to the bullpen or not. That that's what's going to happen. So uh, going into tomorrow, pick the click, my man. Hit the click. I am going to go ahead and I'm going to take Yohan Mankat. I think he's going to, I think he's going to snap out of it yesterday. I think Tyone's going to make a mistake on the inner third of the plate and Yohan's going to put one in the third deck. Okay. I'm going to go Yaz tomorrow. I have not taken Grandal in a long time. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Yaz tomorrow. I think that he pulls one, you know, right-handed pitcher who lets his pitches get up in the air. I think Yaz drives one out. That's what my hope is at least. Um, so we'll see what happens. If you guys have picks to click, please, when we post the episode or even tweet at us right now, you know, throw it down there. Let us know who you have going tomorrow. Who's going to, you know, who's going to be the pick to click offensively for the White Sox. You want to choose Dallas Keuchel? Go ahead and choose him too. But that's, uh, I chose Giolito the other day, bro. You're you, obviously, you know, you, I'm in the text and he, he, he played great. I, I try not to. You nailed it. Yeah. I try not to take the picture too much, but I just felt like it was going to work out. We have Sockside Mike taking Timmy tomorrow. That's good. I, I took him today. Uh, he did get a hit. He broke out of his slump, which was nice. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I guess I win that one. But I'd love to, I'd love to see Timmy nuke that first pitch to, to right field there and, and get this team off on the board or get, get off on the right foot and get on the board early here tomorrow. I think that would definitely be something that would help them kind of, uh, you know, they haven't played with the lead this entire series here, obviously. So right. you know, hopefully they can get it, get out in front early here and, and kind of take it from there. You know, what's so funny, man, that you bring that up. Um, I know we're, we're kind of going over it a little bit, but like I, my, my father-in-law, my father and my dad, 
they hate when Tim swings at the first pitch of the game. Absolutely hate it. I love it every time. I'm like, they're going to try to challenge him with a heater. He's going to fucking put it in play, you know, nine times out of ten. Right? You know, you know, the like the thing is, a lot is made about leadoff hitters and needing to kind of work at bats and and give you know the rest of the lineup an opportunity to see what pitchers are doing. But if you look historically, some of the really great leadoff hitters and, and the one that is probably the most prevalent is Ricky Henderson. Yeah. Ricky, was, Henderson, yeah. Ricky Henderson is a guy who is the major leagues all-time leader in leadoff home runs to, to start a game. How many times did Ricky Henderson go up there thinking, okay, yeah, and, and because this was a guy that had a prolific eye and would work counts and would take his walks, yeah. how many times would fat pitchers go out there and say, okay, first pitch, he's not swinging, they groove one right down the cock, and then he nukes the thing to the moon, and then all of a sudden now the A's are up one nothing. So right. I I, I yep. do like Timmy picking his spots with that. He doesn't do it all the time, but there definitely are instances where where it's warranted, and and he can absolutely nuke the ball to the moon. Well, let's hope we see it tomorrow, man. Set the tone early. Get to the Yankees. Let's try to take a fucking win out of this. Stir series. that drink. Stir that drink. I I did hear that. Where did I hear that? I heard that somewhere, and we you've said it twenty million times. I assumed you made that up. I don't know if I'm right. But, I'm not. Um, I'm not. I'm not clever enough. Look, that that all comes back from uh, Reggie Jackson when he was on the Yankees. I think it was in the '77 or '78 season, and he famously said that he was the straw that stirs the drink. Okay, yeah, because I heard someone say that. I think it was Zoe that had. Uh, I was listening to um, Josh Nelson does some Twitter Spaces here and there, and yeah. uh, I, I try to tune in every uh, every now and then, you know, because I like those guys. You know, they're they're very you know they're good smart guys. And uh, he had he had Zoe on there, and Zoe had said something about like you know Abreu. You, you know everybody says that Timmy is the one that serves the drink, but he 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 went to Abreu, which is fair. That's totally fair, obviously opinion. But every time I think of Tim, I and I think of stir the drink, I think of you, and I'm like, yeah, like this team goes in my mind as Tim Anderson goes. If he's struggling, I feel like the team is gonna fucking struggle because every once in a while when Pito gets up there, I feel like he presses a little bit and it doesn't work out to where we want it to work out to. But you know, hopefully, I mean, God willing. They come out tomorrow, they hit the goddamn ball, they get a good outing from Dallas Keuchel because that's exactly what they need. Get a win out of this series. Let New York talk all the shit they want with Mad Dog, whatever his name is. What, what, what's his name? Uh, Chris Russo. Yeah. Let him talk all of his shit with his stupid-ass high-pitched voice and say about how the Sox you know, disgrace the game and, and, and whatever they want to say. Just get one. Let them talk their shit because we know, like you pointed out, it's mid-May. This team's got a lot up its sleeve. We're going to be all right. You know, let's get some dubs here. Let's figure it out. Uh, I have nothing else. And uh, go ahead and touch on anything you want to before we ride out here into the sunset, my man. No, let's just find a, find a way, whatever it takes tomorrow, to get one in, in this series. Because like you said, you don't want to get swept. If you do, is it the end of the world? No, but it's not the ideal option here. So find a way to, to get the sweep. End the road, end a road trip on a 4-2 and two note. I think anybody would take that knowing that they were going into, into Minnesota and then into New York. So if you can come out of there four and two, come back home for, for the Cardinals there, I think I think all will be okay in the world of the White Sox. Absolutely. Everybody, be sure you're going on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter, at Sox on Tap, at on Tap Sportsnet. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Five-star rating and review because that's cool and tough. Some variation of us will be back tomorrow to recap the finale of the White Sox Yankees series here at Yankee Stadium. Be sure to tune into that when it drops. God hopeful, a White Sox winner. White Sox forever. White Sox for life. <laughs>